thank you all again for, for having me and, and good afternoon to those uh, I have not had the, had the ability uh, to greet this afternoon. Will you open the Word of God this afternoon to Psalm 11? Psalm 11. We'll be looking through this, this entire psalm, verses 1 through 7. I would like to read it in your hearing. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. In the Lord put I my trust. How say you to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the stream, that they may privately or secretly, or literally in darkness, shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and an horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. The child of God will encounter many different instances, many different situations in this life. The Psalms are wonderful, uh, wonderful and experiential. Many times we get to see how it is that the psalmist in many instances it is David, King David, how he felt. Now these are the Lord's words, these are not David's words. These were given to him by the Lord God, but many times it is what he is going through that is explained to us, how he feels. You see many times he acknowledges, he says the Lord is absent from him. The Lord is far from him. The Lord doesn't hear me. But we know that that isn't true. We know that we have the rest of the scriptures that teach the Lord is very near. He is a very present help in times of trouble. He is very near to us. He is never far from any of us. It is, it is because these are the, the feelings of the psalmist. It is how he feels in these times of great distress. Here we have the inspired reaction of, of a faithful servant of God to a less than promising world. A world around him that is not going well, that is in turmoil. And he here has given us what we are to do. What we are to do in a time like that. The title of this message is, If the Foundations Be Destroyed. First, we see the child of God's reaction to, to ungodly counsel. <clears throat> in verse 1, In the Lord put I my trust, not in any other. There is none. There is, we may trust in man to, to do this or that, but man, it's not a matter of if man will fail. It is a matter of when. The Lord will never fail. The Lord cannot fail. Everything He desires to do, He has done. And He will continue to do. He is the Almighty. He is the All-Powerful, the Omnipresent, the uh, Omnibenevolent, and all, all of the Omni-words that theologians would like to attribute to Him. It is, it is true. He is All-Powerful. He does as He pleases in the armies of heaven and, in, and in the, among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What doest thou? What are you doing? Nobody can say that, say that to him. When Paul says uh, in, in Romans 9, when the, the man replies to God and says, Why have you made me thus? The thing formed will not say to the former, 
You cannot, the, the thing formed cannot respond in that way. Here he puts his trust in that Lord God. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? Here he is told, he is being told, David is being told by a servant or an advisor of some sort, things are not going well, you need to flee. You need to get out of here. Things are going to go against you. If you don't flee, you will perish, no doubt, is what, what he is being told. Flee to your mountain, flee to hiding. Now, is there a time to not stay and fight? Yes, there is a time to not stay and fight. God has told his people many on many different occasions to not stay and fight. There are times that we cannot win, and the Lord God knows. So he tells us to flee. Or in Jeremiah 38, I'd like to give you a few of these examples just so uh, we understand this, uh, what we're being told here. Jeremiah 38, if you remember the, the, what's going on in Jeremiah's day, the Lord God is going to destroy Judah and, and Jerusalem uh, because of their wickedness, because they would not uphold their end of the covenant. God promised in Deuteronomy 28 and other passages, if they would not follow Him, if they would not walk in His ways, He promised to bring judgment. And our God is a faithful God. He does what He says He will do. Everything He has ever promised, He will, he will accomplish. Here, Jeremiah 38 is a fulfillment of, of those promises upon the people of Israel. Uh, Jeremiah 38 and 17, King Zedekiah, has come to Jeremiah asking for the word of the Lord. In secret, Jeremiah has been put in prison and, and Zedekiah comes unto him, tell me the word of the Lord. Tell, Zedekiah is seeking a good word from the Lord, something he wants to hear, something that would tickle his ears because Jeremiah this whole time has been saying, surrender, surrender, get out of here. The king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, is going to destroy this place, or Nebuchadnezzar as it is in, in Jeremiah. It's the same Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel. He's going to destroy this place. Surrender and live. God won't destroy this place if you surrender. That's exactly what Jeremiah has been saying the whole time. Here, Zedekiah comes to him seeking something different, wanting to hear something different. Jeremiah 38 and 17. We'll get verse 16. So Zedekiah the king swears secretly unto Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord liveth, that made us this soul, I will not put thee to death, neither will I give thee into the hand of these men that seek thy life. Jeremiah says, if I tell you what the Lord's, what the Lord's saying, you're just going to kill me. You've already put me in prison. So why would I tell you again? Promise to swear to me that you won't kill me. And, and that's what Zedekiah says. 17. Then said Jeremiah unto Zedekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, If thou wilt assuredly go forth unto the, unto the king of Babylon's princes, thy, then thy soul shall live, and this city shall not be burned with fire. He's saying, go forth and surrender. Give yourself to him. And thou shalt live and thine house. I'll save you. I will deliver you out of this. You will live. You will not perish. Verse 18. But if thou wilt not go forth, surrender to the king of Babylon's princes. Then shall this city be given into the hand of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and thou shalt not escape out of their hand. Zedekiah, if you continue reading, did not hearken to Jeremiah. He did not do what the Lord God required of him. He fled and was killed. And, Jer and Jerusalem and Judah was destroyed. And, and we know the rest of the story. There was a, a, a people went into, the Israelites went into captivity and others were dispersed amongst all the kingdoms of the earth. They, 
There they were told not to stay and fight. There they were told to surrender and, and not to stay and fight. Matthew chapter 10, our Lord, our Lord Jesus gave this, gave this word in Matthew 10 that uh, speaking of, of his disciples being persecuted, Matthew 10, 23, verse 22 for, for context, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. He's saying, if you're being persecuted, flee from this city to the next. There is a time not to stay and fight. Matthew 26, speaking of the destruction of Jerusalem, he says, those that see this happening, don't go down to your house and gather your belongings and then leave. Flee at that point. You will die if you do that. If you go down and try and gather your belongings from the field or uh, 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 two, 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 two women grinding or churning, he, he's saying, if you do that, you need you need to flee. You will die if you if you do not if you do not hearken to those words. Many did not. Many did not believe the Lord Jesus's the Lord uh, the Lord's words in that regard. Second Timothy two and twenty two, we are told to flee youthful lusts, not stay and fight. Men, young men, you will not win. Flee them. You cannot win under your own power. Flee from those things. Jo Joseph. From Potiphar's wife, Genesis chapter 39. He fled from Potiphar's wife when she came onto him. He did not stay and fight. He fled. There are times to flee. Here in our text, Psalm 11 is not one. Is not one. Here, David had received no such word. He had received no such word from the Lord God to flee. So he is concerned about how his advisor can give him such advice. How, how can ye say to my soul, flee as a bird to the land? He is concerned about the advice that he is receiving. Nehemiah, in chapter 6, I, I want us to see this example as well. Nehemiah was not one that would flee. Nehemiah 6. Nehemiah had no such word from the Lord. In fact, he had the opposite. 6 and verse 10. Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut up. And he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night they will come to slay thee. And he said, Should such a man as I flee, who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. He had been given discernment from the Lord. This was a lie, uh, a, a deception sent by his enemies, and lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sabalat had hired him. They sought to uh, bring a bad report to Nehemiah. Children, uh, children of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, we have a leader, Nehemiah, that you know, uh, sought to save himself. He wouldn't stay and fight. He sought, to, he sought to flee. But Nehemiah was given better sense than that. He did not flee. He stood. He stood as he should have. Here David is the same way. The Lord Jesus in John 10, you'll remember the, the good shepherd and the hirelings. He said in John 10 and 12, 12 through 23, or 12 through 13, that the ones that fled, they were hirelings. The ones who fled from the flock that they were supposed to be looking after, they were not the shepherd. 
They were hirelings. Even, even those who are given, the, uh, given flocks to oversee in this life, pastors, bishops, they are not hirelings. They will stay and fight. They will not flee from the flocks which they have been given the oversight. They will stay. They will not flee as the hirelings will. Verse 2, here's the reason why that servant or advisor is giving him that advice. This is the child of the devil's intent, what they seek to do. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privately or, or secretly or literally in darkness shoot at the upright in heart. This is what they seek to do. Now it is good to know what their intent is, why, why they're doing what they're doing. This is what they're seeking to do, take out the upright in heart. Whoever it was that was coming against David didn't want him in power, didn't want people like him in the kingdom. It is good to know the facts, but it is better to know the Lord. It is better to know him who knows everything, because there will be things that we cannot know, that we do not know, that we do not understand. But the Lord God knows all. He knows everything, and He knows exactly what's going on in this situation and in any situation just like it. Looking to God, they're looking to shoot at God's people both literally in many situations and metaphorically. Absalom, for example, David, King David's son, undermined his father. At the gate, he said, my father doesn't, doesn't listen. He's up, in his, he's up in his palace. He doesn't listen to you, but I'll listen. And that's how he got all Israel to back him against his father. And David did flee in that situation. But there, there Absalom sought to undermine, sought to shoot from the darkness at the upright in heart. Just an example, it happens all the time. That is what their intent is. And if they succeed, if they succeed in verse 3, this is what they accomplish. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed. Now I'd like for us to examine this, this term, foundations. We know what a foundation does. It holds things up. The foundation is what things are built upon. The only other time that this Hebrew term appears in the Old Testament is Isaiah 19. Will you turn, turn there with me? Isaiah 19 and verse 10. This is uh, a chapter that is, uh, begins with the burden of Egypt. It is, it is the oracle or the prophecy against Egypt, what's going to come upon them. Verse 10, and they shall be broken in the purposes. There's our same Hebrew term for foundations in our text. They shall be broken in the purposes thereof. They will be broken. They're found now, the, the marginal reading, because there are other ways that this could have been translated. And, and they mean the same thing. Their foundations, its foundations, its being Egypt's foundations, shall be broken. Their purposes, the reason why they did something, same as foundation, what holds something up, the reason why things are standing. We know a good foundation is one that's built upon the rock. Bad foundation is what's built upon the sand. The Lord Jesus taught us, taught us that if the foundations, the thing that, that undergirds a society, be destroyed. If a thing that is, that is the root in which the society is built upon is destroyed, 
the upright, the the uh, in, in Israel, and to bring it home in our country, the scriptures. If it's destroyed, if if the wicked achieve their intended purpose, what can the righteous do? To, to, just to give you an example of how our society was by our founding by the founding fathers of this country built upon the scriptures. George Washington in his farewell address said this. He warned of casting off of religion and morality. And by religion, they meant none other than the Christian religion. They're, they're, to them, there was none other. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity. He's saying, do you like political prosperity? Do you like prosperity in general? Do you like uh, having an abundance? Do you like the, the life that this country can give? Religion and morality are indispensable supports. You take that away, and why are religion and morality tied together? You take religion out, morality goes too. There is no morality unless it is built upon the, the scriptures, which are the only foundation. They understood and sought to build the country upon the scriptures. They understood that only acknowledging the Lord God, only by acknowledging the Lord God, can a nation be built. He, they understood those things, but if the Christianity that built a Christian nation be taken out, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Notice in verse 4, it doesn't tell us what we can do. He doesn't answer the question, at least directly. Where do his eyes go instead of looking to men? He may be looking at the earth and foundations, oh man, it's horrible. It's going. It's awful down here. His eyes don't go down. His eyes don't look at men. His eyes go to the Lord God. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. When things appear to be going down in this world, where do His eyes go? They go up. They look to the Lord God. They do not look to men. We can do nothing. We have no power. The Lord Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We're powerless. But there is one that wields all power, who, who can do all things. He is aware of exactly what is going on, and he is unaffected. Unaffected in that what, what men do in this world doesn't, doesn't bother him. He knows exactly what's going to happen, why it's happening. He can tell the end from the beginning, and he can tell why everything in the past happened the way that it did. Isaiah 40 through 48 provides a, uh, a test against all the false gods. And he says, have them, have your idols tell you all the things of the past and why they happen. Because they may be able to tell the things of the past. I can open up a history book and show you things of the past, but I can't tell you why they happen. God can. God knows why they happen. He could do all of those things. He is unaffected because he knows exactly What's, what, is, what is going on and why it is going on. Will you turn to Habakkuk? The minor prophet of which there is nothing minor about. Habakkuk chapter 2. In verse 19, here we get a similar, uh, a similar reaction. Woe unto him, in verse 19, woe unto him that saith to the wood, awake, to the dumb stone, the mute stone, arise, it shall teach, Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver. There is no breath at all in the midst of it. 
Men have always worshipped idols, devices of their own creation, whether by the works of their hands or the devices of their own mind. Paul points that out in Acts chapter 17. That is what men in their natural state have always done. Verse 20, But the Lord is, is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. He is unaffected. Aware, unaffected, it doesn't bother Him exactly what is going on down here. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Here, we're given the time in which this happened. King Uzziah has just died. In the year that he died, it would have been a very stressful time for the people of Israel concerned about where the kingdom, who, who was going to run the kingdom, who, who was going to reign over them, how were they going to reign over the people of Israel. Lots of turmoil, lots of stress, lots of anxiety over that very thing. What does Isaiah see? He doesn't see the Lord up in, up, up in his temple, milling about, pacing about, wondering what he's going to do. Oh no, I didn't see this happening. The Lord is seated. He is sitting upon a throne. What do we do when things don't go our way? Our first reaction is to stand up. What are we going to do? Make a plan. The Lord God doesn't need to do that. Everything is going according to plan. Everything is just as He would have it. He is seating. He is seated upon His throne. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain He covered His face, and with twain He covered His feet, and with twain He did fly. And He cried one, and one cried to unto another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Things were not going well according to men. But here the seraphims describe the earth as full of the Lord God of hosts glory. Everything is going according to His plan even when things don't appear to us to be that way. He is seated upon His throne. The only time I see Him standing in the Scriptures that I can think of is when the deacon Stephen was put to death when he said, I see the Lord standing in heaven and he was waiting to receive Stephen as, as the Lord God knew he would perish knew he would be received up into glory here we're given a good reminder even when things are stressful where our eyes are to go where our mind is to be set not on the things of this world for they will perish but on the th on eternal things on, on, on the things of eternity, the Lord God Himself, He can handle all of these things. Verse uh, at, at the end of the verse, His eyelids try, His eyelids behold, or His eyes try. Excuse me. His eyes behold, His eyelids try. I'll not, I'll not get ahead of myself. The children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous. He tries us. He tests us. He proves us. First Peter. First Peter, we get we get told why he does that. First Peter chapter one and verse seven, that the trial, the testing, the proving of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Why does he test us? Not for himself. 
He knows. He knows the faith that's in us. He gave it to us. We live, we live in this life by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us, we're told. We have the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no testing of that faith. That faith is perfect. The testing is for us. He knows. He knows those things. He doesn't do it for himself just to, so he can understand us better. He does it for us that we may learn not to lean upon the arm of the flesh. That we may learn not to, not to have our eyes cast down upon the things of this world. That we may learn to lean upon the everlasting arms. To lean upon Him. To look to Him. To acknowledge Him in all of our ways. That He might direct our paths. Men want to reverse that. They want God to acknowledge us. And we direct our own paths. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. We acknowledge God and He directs. Not the other way around. That is why we are that is why we are tested, that we may learn, that we may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we may understand these things. But notice what happens to the wicked. He does not test them in the same way that he tests us. But to the wicked. But the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. There is a great number of people, a great deal of people, a great multitude of people that our Lord God hates. And He hates with a perfect hatred. Men don't like to hear the hatred of God, the wrath of God, but it's there. You find it in the Scriptures all over the place. Come, come to Psalm 5. Psalm 5 and verse 5. And by the way, we're told in the New Testament to sing unto ourselves psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms. Psalms are very much applicable for today. The Lord Jesus even taught from the Psalms. Look at all these things that apply to me. Nobody would, nobody would argue that the Psalms aren't applicable for us today, that God somehow changed, whom He Himself said could not change. Malachi, in, in, the, in the book of Malachi, He tells us, I, the Lord, do not change. He is the same, always and forever. And that is a great comfort to us, because if He changed... He could just change his mind about us. He could just change his mind. Ah, I don't feel like having you as my child today. But he doesn't change. And that's a wonderful truth that we find in the Word of God. Same as this truth, Psalm 5 and 5. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. He hates all workers. Those that do that as a way of life. Those that walk in this world and that's all that they want. He hates them with a perfect hatred. David even hated with that perfect hatred. If I were, I don't have this text before me, but I believe it's Psalm 139. Yes, Psalm 139, verse 22. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. David speaking. God's enemies there David hated with a perfect hatred. There is a perfect hatred. And the Lord God hates with that perfect hatred. A perfect hatred against the wicked and the man that loveth violence. They will, they will uh, uh, have their snares. We'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. This is the same hate that fools have for knowledge in the book of Proverbs. How long will the fools hate knowledge? Hate wisdom? Same term here. A long, 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 long time. A perfect, they, they hate knowledge, they hate wisdom with a perfect hatred. 
and it's altogether unperfect, we understand that. But that is the type of hatred that the wicked and the man that loveth violence has for the Lord, has for, has for the knowledge of the Word of God. And in verse 6, we see again what the Lord will do. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and an horrible tempest. The snares that he rains upon them, I'll, I'll show just a, just a few of these scriptures. Psalm, come back to Psalm 5 and verse 10. Here, the psalmist, which is David, makes this appeal, makes this request of the Lord. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. Psalm 7, and verse 15. He made a pit and digged it and is fallen into the ditch which he made. His mischief shall return upon his own head and his violent dealing shall come down on his own pate or his own crown, his own head. What he sought to do to others, the Lord, the Lord God is going to turn right back around and drop it on them. That is what he does. Tom, uh, just, just a couple more examples, but you'll find this all through the Word of God. Psalm 9 and 15. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. In the net which they hid is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the works of his own hands. Higayon. Think on that. Meditate. And then Selah. Double, a, a, a double think on that. and Meditate. Meditate solemnly on that truth. Psalm 10 and verse 2. The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices. Not, not, not a, 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 we call a phone a device, a camera or some type of electronic. But device in the scriptures is talking about the thought. The thoughts that they have, let, let them be taken in the thoughts that they have imagined. Let them be taken. What, what they sought to do to others, the Lord God reigns upon them. He rains the snares that they sought to catch others in, that they the net that they laid out for others. The example that I can think of from 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 a child, you watched Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. He never caught the Roadrunner, but he always caught himself in his own traps. Same same deal. Haman and the gallows, trying to he was going to hang Mordecai and destroy all the Jews. He had the king's he had the king's word. That, and he was going to accomplish that. Who ended up getting hung on those gallows? It wasn't Mordecai. It was Haman. He was hung on those gallows. You find that you find that the Lord God fulfills that in His Word regularly. That principle is found all over the Scriptures. He will rain snares upon them. Fire and brimstone is exactly what He rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And it is what he does to the wicked. That is what he will rain upon them. He will destroy them. And in a horrible tempest. Some of you might be familiar with the sandstorms that they have in that area of the world. And they can be disastrous. A horrible, uh, a, a horrible thing happens when that goes on. This isn't just talking about that kind of a storm. A horrible tempest. That same Hebrew term is translated spirit in many instances. You remember Saul and the evil spirit that, that uh, the Lord God sent upon him? 1 Samuel 16, 18, and 19. 
That's the same Hebrew term here translated tempest. That evil spirit. That and, and he also sent it upon Abimelech and the and the people that he reigned over, so that they would turn against him. He will also give to the wicked and horrible tempest or an evil spirit to uh, bring them uh, bring them what they are due. In this, not just in the next life, in this life as well. Men get what get what's coming to them, not just in the next, but also now. We're told to be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God ensures that that happens now and later. As a, a wonderful truth that 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 uh, encourages us in this life. This is what they deserve for their works. For they are abominable. Abominable works have they done. Why does he give them what they deserve? And we, we understand that we don't, we are not given what we deserve. We deserve, we deserve to be in that boat. If the Lord God had not acted on our behalf, we'd be in that boat. There would be no difference between us. But the Lord Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Lost, as we just, uh, along the lines of what we discussed this morning, lost implies ownership. Lost implies ownership. He came and he accomplished that mission. He said it is finished. But here, why does he give to the wicked what they deserve? Verse 7, for the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. That is why he is a righteous Lord. He is not... Uh, he is not an unrighteous. He gives exactly a, a just punishment for them. A just punishment to them. He, that is why He does that very thing. They cannot demand grace. If grace can be demanded, then grace is no more grace. They can't demand grace. And they are not given any. Here at the end of verse 7, we're also we're given another promise. But he, His countenance doth behold the upright. He does that to them. But he's watching over us. He sees us. His countenance, His face. His face is upon us for good. He looks after us. Takes care of us. And one day, Matthew 5 and verse 8, the blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. One day, our countenance, our face, will behold Him as well. We're given a great promise here that when, when things are going downhill, don't look, don't look to men. Don't look to the things of this world. But look up. When things are going downhill, look up. Look up to the Lord God. He will take care of you. I would like to leave you with, a, with an example of all of this. Come to 2 Kings. Come to 2 Kings chapter 18. The Word of God instructs us in every aspect of life, and that's exactly what the words that Paul was given by the Holy Spirit that he told Timothy in his second epistle. That's exactly what the Word of God is for, to instruct us in every aspect of this life. Verse 29 of 2 Kings 18. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. This is... Uh, Rabshakeh 
a, an officer of the, Assyrian, uh, of the Assyrians telling the Jews, don't trust in your king, don't trust in your God, he will not be able to deliver you. Keep going. Verse 39, verse 30. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Because that's exactly what, is, what, what Hezekiah is going to do. Exactly what he is going to say. Don't, let's not, let's not flee, let's not surrender. Let's trust in the Lord. 31. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present. And come out to me, and then eat ye every man his own of his own vine, and every one of his fig tree, and drink ye every one of the waters of his sister, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive, of, of oil, olive, and of honey, that ye may live and not die, and hearken not unto Hezekiah, when when he persuadeth you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Here's his example as to why you shouldn't trust Hezekiah. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? He then goes through several examples of the nations and the gods of those nations that the Assyrians had taken over. But the people held their peace, verse 36, and answered him not a word, for the king's command commandment was saying, Answer him not. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph, the recorder, to Hezekiah, with their clothes rent. They had torn their clothes because they were very distraught of what had just been told, and told him the words of Rabshakeh. Verse 9, chapter 19, verse 1, And it came to pass, when King Hezekiah heard it, that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth, and he went to seek after men and see what men could do for him. Everything was, was falling apart in his world. He was going to be destroyed. Him and Israel altogether was going to be taken over by the Assyrians. He didn't go to men. That's not what the text says. He went to the house of the Lord. He went to seek after the Lord God. He went to uh, seek his advice, his counsel. Verse 5, So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, the prophet. And Isaiah said unto them, Thus, saith, th thus shall ye say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. And it was blasphemy for them to say the things that they did. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor, shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. So here he's given the word of the Lord. Don't fear don't fear, I'll take care of you. I will seek, so I will seek, uh, I will take care of you in this time. You look to me and I'll take care of it all. Rabshakeh again comes and gives a, a very similar letter. Uh, hey, you need to surrender. Otherwise, we're going to take you over just like any of the other nations. None of their gods were able, able to deliver out of our hand. Why, why should yours be any different? There is no God like our Lord God. That's why. That's why. He's the one living and true God. There's idols. Something that they created of their own hands. Something that probably fell over and they had to be picked up just like the God of the Philistines when the Ark of the Covenant 
was brought into the temple. You don't worship our Lord God next to an idol. That is not that our 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 God will not accept that that type of uh, double-mindedness. Verse fourteen of chapter nineteen, and Hezekiah received the letter, the letter that Rabshakeh had written, of the hand of the messengers, and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. And he goes through, he continues praying, come down to verse 19. Now therefore, O Lord, our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, deliver us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. He's the only one. The only God that this, the only, the only God that has ever existed. Verse 32, we see the answer to that. Things are, things are not going well in their world. But he doesn't look down. He seeks the Lord God. And the Lord God answers. Verse 32, Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with a shield, nor cast a bank against it. But the way that he came by the same shall he return and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp, the camp, uh, the camp of the Assyrians, a hundred and fourscore and five thousand. That's a hundred and eighty-five thousand Assyrian soldiers were destroyed, were killed by the angel of the Lord. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. They had all been killed, just as the Lord God promised to do. His eyes looked up. His eyes went to the Lord, even when the foundations were being destroyed. He looked to the only one that could save. When the foundations in our life and in our country are being dismantled piece by piece, that they, that, that they want to have no brick laid upon another. May we look to the Lord God, just as Hezekiah did, just as, the, just as Nehemiah did, just as the prophets of old have done, just as God's people ought to have always done. Not look to men. Men can do many wonderful and great things, but the Lord God will guide and direct our steps as He is pleased to do so. May we look to Him and His promises, even if this world is failing, falling about all around us. He knows what we need and when we need it. He gives grace for the day, even if it's running downhill. May we look up to Him, just as we're exhorted to do in this song. Look to the One that has promised to never leave us, nor forsake us. Let's bow before Him.